seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Presence of greatness, cause right now that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness that I would even show up to this thing. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my paper. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel, homie. Take six and take this, haters. Your radio is on, it's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan, operated by students at the University of Michigan. Uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Well, it's time for another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim might be having some traffic problems. There are some <laughs> popped-up new construction sites uh, all over Ann Arbor all of a sudden, so there are some streets that are messy. Well, uh, speaking of messy, <laughs> and I'm not talking here about the soccer star, um... Really uh, disappointing to see the Tigers make such a quick exit. Uh, I must say, baseball, as I've always said, may not be the greatest sport, but it is the greatest game. And we've seen in the first 10 playoff games, despite the fact that three of the four series are 2-0, tremendous comebacks. Uh, you know, the Cardinals were down 6-1, to and they ended up winning 10-9. to uh, I think four or maybe five extra inning games. So this has been very competitive and very interesting, and baseball is our national pastime. So even though the Tigers uh, have some disappointing uh, results due to the meltdown of the bullpen, um, be interesting because Baltimore and Kansas City are both quote-unquote small markets to see what happens, but you can rest assured that the the television uh, network that's covering the World Series is definitely rooting for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, St. Louis, uh, Kansas City, by the way, would be an interesting so-called I-70 series. But uh, Baltimore and Kansas City were hot coming in, and they stayed hot. I suspect that the Angels basically sat around too long waiting for 
to figure out who they were playing. And Casey seems to be on a roll, and you don't want to be down in the seventh inning playing them. Well, it seems true for any sport. Uh, Whoever's coming into the playoffs hot is the team no one wants to play. Yeah, and sometimes even the team with the best record, if they wait around too long for the next round to start, I think this actually doomed the Tigers a couple years ago when they swept, uh, I think they swept the Yankees. And they had to wait a week for the World Series to start. And I think they lost momentum. And baseball, unfortunately, is a... It's pretty much a sport you play day to day every day. You know, you get a you get a travel day, maybe a day off once a week, but uh, other than the beginning of the season, it's you want to play every day. It's kind of like Jerry Garcia. He quit practicing <laughs> and just simply jammed every day somewhere somehow. <laughs> uh also speaking of messy, let me uh, quickly give out a brain damage award to Terry Lynn Land. Uh she apparently oh. is refusing or declining to debate Gary Peters in the Senate race. I heard about a half an hour of a call-in show on uh, WUOM, which I don't mind mentioning since they are a public affairs public station, our so-called senior University of Michigan statement, and she did a call-in show where, I'm sorry, this woman, I don't think she could run Ann Arbor. She really doesn't know the issues. This is why she's... uh, avoiding the media. And usually when you're a challenger, she's not a challenger, but she's way behind in the polls and plummeting quickly. It's quite obvious that she is not of national caliber. And the only thing keeping her in the race is millions and millions of outside dollars. Money from out of state. You know, her answers were (laughs) all over the map. I got the impression that she didn't even understand half the national issues and this is somebody that's running for the United States Senate, uh, replacing a legend in Carl Levin. Um, you know, if you're in the Senate, you have to understand uh, foreign policy and the judiciary, you know, because you're in charge of <laughs> essentially approving uh, nominations and signing treaties or approving treaties or whatever, debating them. Um, and I... Don't think she understands much of anything. She's sort of like one of those dolls that you you pull the string, and they say the same thing over and over. Yeah, limited range. The cow says moo. And she, on every question, she sort of stalled, thanked the caller, you know, strung everything out as long as she could. And her performance on public radio on Friday was... Nothing short of a disaster. <laughs> um, so we'll give her a brain damage award for yeah, brain running. Damage, brain damage award for Bill Maher, too, who continues to <clears throat> put himself out there as a sort of left of center guy who, you know, sees the world with a realistic perspective, yet continues to use basically he's a libertarian. But which is not necessarily left of center at all. But uh, he continues to use the widest possible brush to uh, denigrate the entire Muslim religion as like the worst possible elements that you see from ISIS are something that he believes apparently to be core beliefs for all Muslims at all times and all places. And, you know, there was a celebrity dressing down on his chat show, but uh, this is... Uh, 
a continuing pattern for him. He made a comment during the Israeli bombings of Gaza that uh, Hamas was uh, like a woman who's you know wouldn't be told to shut up. So sometimes you just have to hit her. You know that was his comment at well. that time. Yeah, <laughs> and so now he's saying that you know all Muslims you know hold this core hatred within them. You know whether they know it or not. It's like, dude, what kind of a moron says these sorts of things? Let alone believes them. Yeah, and it's interesting. I didn't bring in this article, but uh, today's New York Times had an article about the fact that most of the weapons that ISIL captures uh, in their uh, recent offensive <clears throat> come from the United States. Yeah, the uh, U.S. tanks are causing some devastation in northern Syria. The Sunni awakening <clears throat> was touted as such a success by the neoconservatives seems to have had some problems. Um, but we won't talk about them much this week. You know, <clears throat> there are some more uh, members of the international community uh, joining the so-called coalition. So I think we're, like I said a couple of weeks ago, we're looking at a long war here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if a ground force can ever be created or developed to deal with uh, this problem in uh, eastern Syria, northern, northwestern Iraq. And this obviously is part of the failure of the Iraqi government to uh, deal with their own pseudo-borders that, as we've acknowledged down here for a long time, really need to be tossed out the window in any uh, future. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the how much longer Iraq will last as you know, one country as it exists today uh it seems to be an inevitability that it's going to be divided into the three parts. It's just a matter of uh, when it will happen. It's happening on the ground now uh, as, you know, Kurdish Iraqis decide, you know, well, yes, we do have a stake in this. We're going to get involved. Uh, Iraqi Sunnis, maybe not. Um, as the evaporation of the Iraqi army again causes questions about who are those people we trained <laughs> now have skirmished off. Well, yeah, and the scampered old, off rather to skirmish another day. And of course, the the really at this point, the fascinating country to keep an eye on is Turkey, uh, because Absolutely. obviously they, yeah. they're dealing with a re major refugee problem, <sighs> and uh, they may intervene out of their own interest. Though. Well, their parliament has voted to uh, get involved. And of course, it's interesting to note that <laughs> they were, uh, you know, interested in the overthrow of Assad just a year ago. It's fascinating how the equation in Syria changed so quickly, because it was a year ago in which the, <clears throat> shall we say, the publicity about the use of chemical weapons was brewing internationally. Obama <coughs> sort of foolishly talked about a, a red line, and uh, John McCain, of course, was advocating uh, immediate military action. I think I read a letter to the editor. If we'd listen to John McCain, we'd be we'd be we'd be in Mali, Uzbekistan, right. the Ukraine, uh, Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Um, and I'm sure he could figure out some reason. In Vietnam to invade Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> well, Turkey's, uh, as you say, uh, very uh, troubled by the uh, refugee crisis, but they have also allowed uh, some jihadis to go through. They've clamped down on their borders recently, but because of their anti-Assad stance, uh, there were a lot of uh, jihadis who were going through Turkey to get to Syria. 
And uh, this is one of those things of, uh, oops, you know, realizing too late, that wasn't really the best way to go. It's interesting to note, by the way, that uh, Seymour Hirsch uh, had a two-part article, a series in the London Review of Books uh, last winter that questioned uh, even the, the fact that um, the Assad regime was behind these sarin chemical weapons attacks. Now, I do think that it was a good development that we got <clears throat> the Soviet Union involved to put pressure on Assad to destroy chemical weapons. But while I'm not too sure I agree with everything Seymour Hersh wrote back in the London Review of Books, he did suggest that Turkey was behind the sarin because they sort of believed that America would get involved in the uh, overthrow of Assad one way or another. But I think Obama uh, has, you know, I, I do think that the no boots on the ground is, is pretty um, absolute in his uh, mind. But obviously he's having problems within his administration with uh, high-ranking officials suggesting that it might happen. So uh, who knows? But uh, I, I cannot see Obama doing that. But... It's interesting that in Afghanistan we've now agreed to keep 10,000 troops there on a sort of semi-permanent basis because of the election of the new uh, government uh, in the, shall we say, the coalition government or the power-sharing government of Afghanistan um, continuing uh, operations in the northwest territories, so to speak, of the, uh, you know, involving the Pashtuns and the uh, uh, Pakistani-Afghan uh, border. Um, why doesn't Pakistan <laughs> loan us some ground troops? <laughs> They've been strangely quiet lately. They have 300,000 operating up in the so-called tribal areas of northwest uh, Pakistan. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to note that the fact that there is a difference between the Afghan Taliban and the Pakistan Taliban, and this is one of the problems uh, that we're having in the whole region that kind of goes from Libya to uh, Afghanistan, and uh, India, of course, is relatively trouble-free at the moment. Um, uh, the Prime Minister of India was in in town uh, this past week, treated as a rock star at Madison Square Garden. But as Mahatma Gandhi uh, said, India needs sanitation, not more than freedom. And, of course, he came out with a uh, bold proposal to get uh, toilets working in all of India's uh, villages. Shocking, or not shocking, but uh, the realization that half of India's households don't have toilets is, uh, well, it's, it's what life is like in the third world. And, you know, we've seen this problem uh, a little bit in the Ebola uh, crisis. I don't know if you want to talk well, about the Texas I, Ebola scare. I, I hesitate <laughs> to call it a—certainly uh, what's happening in West Africa is uh, crisis level. Yeah, it's an epidemic, but, what's but not happening, a pandemic. What's happening in Texas and on CNN, uh, oh, for the last uh, 40 hours, yeah. is a complete frenzy of— misinformation 
and just flashing lights and excitement. Oh, Ebola, Ebola, Ebola. They had an expert on this afternoon as I was preparing some clippings for the show. Uh, and while he was talking about, oh, the limitations on the risk and the unlikelihood that this will actually be widespread, blah, blah, blah. Beneath him, as he's saying these, you know, clinically scientific words of reason and comfort are the big letters, you know, uh, Ebola airborne catastrophe. Yeah. Because that's the question they're trying to prod him with, because the media is just humping the bejesus out of this story because it's exciting. And let's face it, no one wants to talk about how guns are more threatening to America's safety than Ebola. Or what about the security of America's college women? Well, a young child increasingly, uh, you know, under threat of danger and attack nationwide. Yeah. And a young child, a four year old child today died of another uh, influenza respiratory um, virus that is is afflicted far more people than Ebola. We, We certainly know that the individual that's been quarantined, um, you know, went to Liberia and there's possibly some minor policy modifications that can be made. But I'd like to point out, you know, and of course, needless to say, it's now being politicized by um, morons, convincing morons that uh, something needs to be done. I'll give the BBC a brain damage award for interviewing some Yahoo from Texas who was uh, using her uh, two minutes of fame to praise Rick Perry and question why Obama had not come to Texas to deal with this one Ebola case. Yeah, uh, Obama's going to put on the gloves and and get down to work on this individual. So, of course, he's been blamed. Uh, The facts are this guy flew into the United States, once again related to this immigration uh, fraud that's going on, the debate about that. But I would just like factually to point out that in the last week, three uh, high school students died playing football, two in games, one in a practice. And tragically, here in Michigan, there was a, a youngster that leaned up against a, a fence that turned out to be um, a live wire of sorts. And he's dead watching a football game. <laughs> so where are the calls to ban high school football? <laughs> and, of course, two of these uh, deaths occurred on play, on the playing field. They were the result either of hits or... Uh, other uh, unknown causes, and one, one was a, a practice down south, probably in some excessive heat. So, yeah, the, the the hysteria about Ebola at the moment is unmerited, unmerited, and as usual, ethnocentric. Indeed, and it's no uh, coincidence either that the uh, constant bombardment in your news crawlers between ISIS and Ebola, and Ebola and ISIS is that fear is the uh, natural bedfellow of uh, Republican advertising. Yeah, and it, it's it's a staple of many a campaign dating back. Uh, well, uh, you can always sort of pinpoint the beginning of the media uh, hysteria about scares, <laughs> Red Scare number one, and We've gone from the red scares to other kinds of scares. Oh, you just substitute, you know, it's a fill in the blank. It's, it's, if it's not this, it's that. If it's not Willie Horton, it's Ebola. 
Yeah. If it's not uh, uh, Osama bin Laden, it's Al Qaeda. Or it's voter fraud. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. All those people stuffing the ballot. Well, uh, show me some examples. <laughs> I, I'm still waiting. Right. Uh, well, here's a quote from a, a, one of these ads, actually. Uh, North Carolina Republican challenger Tom Tillis has an ad in which an, an actor playing a female veteran says, It makes me so mad to see how the president's weakness has allowed the Islamic State to grow. <laughs> That's just insane. I mean, that doesn't mean anything or make any sense. The president has nothing to do with the growth of ISIS. No. Uh, I mean, where where can you begin to dismantle the uh, the cod swallop uh, packed into an advertisement that features that? But that's the emotional selling point. Um, she's a veteran. She's tough. She's also a mom. She knows how to protect American children. Yeah. Why doesn't our president care about American children? Well, <laughs> and, and that's part of Obama's problem. He sort of, you know, remains a kind of a a sitting duck for target practice, uh, both figuratively and literally. Um, private contractor on an elevator with Obama. Yeah, that was a little bizarre. With a loaded gun and several convictions. Not vetted terribly well by that private corporation. Um, interesting uh, development in the job situation over the weekend, uh, showing oh, the long-term trend is steadily downward uh, on unemployment. And I wanted to <clears throat> call attention to a very interesting article that appeared a couple of um, weeks ago um, on the 5th of August, which basically coincided with the last jobs report, by Neil Irwin, where he discusses what's really holding back the economy, uh, and wisely so. The two main factors that are holding back the economy are the continuing, shall we say, weakness, tepidness, whatever you want to call it, in housing, or as Warren Buffett puts it quite succinctly, the fact that people between the ages of 25 and 34 are not forming households. So housing and durable goods are drags on the economy. He, he actually identifies five sectors. But it's fascinating that two of the five turn out to be government. Um, when he talks about the gap between actual output and the estimate of out, output in a fully healthy economy, the federal government um, is, con, is, is down. It's the second most, uh, it, I should say it's the fourth most um, deleterious factor in creating jobs. The other one is state and federal government. Neil Irwin writes, federal government spending is $118 billion below the level one would expect given longer-term trends. The spending cuts were part of deals to trim expenditures emanating from the 2011 <laughs> budget ceiling deal. Uh, talking about local and state government, he writes, state and local governments spent the years after the crisis cutting employees and trimming costs. The result is $189 billion, $189 billion gap between what they were actually spending this spring versus what they expected, what would be expected based on historical um, 
shares of the economy. So this is a really interesting article about the sort of big picture in the economy and that uh, many aspects of the economy are, are doing quite well, but many, some aren't. So this is why this sort of uh, two steps forward, one step back uh, economic data continues. Well, uh, as we're perched uh, to enter into, here we are. It's the fourth quarter, which is the big quarter for business. It's all the uh, birth of the savior-related holiday spending and, and other matters. Uh, agriculturally, the cycle wraps and all the winter festivities. Uh, so the biggest quarter of them all is is yet to come. Yeah, and it's interesting that I, I mentioned two, four of the five that were two were connected really to household formation, as as Warren Buffett puts it. Uh, I advise always listening to Warren Buffett. He's he's a down home kind of guy. He's not. <laughs> he's a billionaire, but he he speaks plain English about economics. And if you listen to what he says, it he makes sense. And of course, he's come out in favor of main you know increasing the estate tax and uh is worried about uh the republican approach to for instance defaulting on the debt right some of the crazy economic ideas that they uh um have proposed over the decades but business equipment invent, uh, investment is another drag on the economy in which corporate America is spending $120 billion less than a healthy economic model would suggest. And, of course, the sort of alarming thing out of the jobs report, the most recent one, is that there are jobs being created, but pay is not going up. Corporations continue to hoard money. and uh, In cash form. Figure out ways to evade taxes. Right. Uh, this, of course, has been one of Carl Levin's sort of final issues as he departs the Senate. So keep a, keep an eye on uh, what what happens. And unfortunately, I don't think Obama or the Democrats are going to get much of a bump from the, this most recent jobs report. But uh, if you look at the long-term trends, we're still in a recovery. 10 million jobs have been created since Obama became president. The stimulus package that the Republicans voted against in 2009 has worked, but it's not enough. It's not. It's it's sort of filling up the glass halfway, and of course the austerity measures in Europe haven't worked at all. <laughs> no, uh, just read Paul Krugman <laughs> on that one. Yeah, there's an interesting column in today's Financial Times about that too, uh, but. One sort of sneak side attack that should be thrown out there, whether or not Congress would vote for it, uh, but it would certainly give uh, Obama something to uh, stake a claim on, is uh, increasing the minimum wage, because it's basic principle of economics that the more money people have, especially at the lower end of the spectrum, to spend, they spend it. They don't save it. Yeah. They, they can't save it because their needs are great and their resources are limited. So that's... It's just another way to continue to infuse the system with more cash. And, of course, one of the states that's uh, <clears throat> boosted the minimum wage on their own, and, uh, you know, it's even a local issue in terms of the so-called livable wage, is Seattle. And Seattle is a city that's booming. <laughs> uh, service workers have more money. We know that they 
tend not to save, tend to spend, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's, uh, we're all Keynesians now. <laughs> uh, one other very interesting item from Ann Arbor, actually. This involves newly discovered documents from the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Library at the request of the NSA Archive, National Security Archive, a research group that shows that Henry Kissinger <clears throat> had developed plans to attack Cuba in 1975 in response to the fact that they had sent troops into Angola to deal with the civil war there. There was a civil war going on after right, independence. Uh, Cuba sent uh, troops into Angola to, uh, <laughs> this is one of the great comic twists of the Cold War, to sure. protect Western oil companies' oil rigs from the Maoist guerrillas that the U.S. had paid for to attack them. And, of course, what's interesting about this uh, historical development, more of these uh, documents are being discovered by diligent historians in the dusty attics of presidential libraries, etc. Probably have been sitting there for yeah. 20 years. Nobody looked at it. But he held a high-level meeting with none other than Donald Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, <clears throat> involved uh, yet another plan to invade Cuba in response to the, the whole thing. Kissinger, it says, was very irritated about the fact that he had um, previously uh, planned on improving relations with uh, Havana. And that he basically had a temper tantrum about the... <laughs> development in Angola. Angola, of course, was one of the uh, red lines in the sand that Ronald Reagan uh, made in the 1980s, and we lost. Our win, by the way, was in Afghanistan. Nicaragua was the other (laughs) country where he staked his reputation, and one can only charitably call that a draw, but I'd like to point out, despite all of the rhetoric about the Sandinistas, Daniel Ortega turned power over when he lost the presidential elections. He is now the president of Nicaragua, and he ought to delight the far right because he thinks abortion should be illegal. <laughs> and it is. That'll really solve our problems. That will allow uh, wealthy and middle class uh, women that need to get abortions to get on an airplane and go to Europe. Uh, the Irish girls do this already. Yeah, have to cross the channel, uh, but it will uh, certainly allow more poor babies to be born here in the United States. Well, that's just about all the time we have. Uh, thank Andrew for uh, engineering uh, tonight, and we're going to throw it on down the hall to Weston, who's ready to give you Yazoo City Calling right here on WCBN. So take it over. You know what this is. It's the tool audiologists use to remove harmful wax buildup from your ears. Studies prove that bad music can increase wax buildup, leading to tone deafness, cultural deficiency, hair loss, pellagra, and scurvy. Fortunately, there's Wax Control Formula WCBN. Not only does it prevent harmful buildup, but it improves your sense of well-being, increases your IQ, clears up your skin, and makes you popular. The choice is easy. You can have this, and she's buying the stem. or this. Tune to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good radio for good audio hygiene.
Good evening, this is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and it's time for Yazoo City Calling, our weekly tribute to down-home blues originals recorded before the Second World War, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.3 FM. My name is Wes.